0: What's up, everybody? Happy Good Friday. Does anybody have a good day today? You know, they call it Good Friday, but it wasn't that good. It was kind of a crazy Friday. If you don't know, if you just stumbled in here at church on Friday evening, you don't know what Good Friday is all about. Today, we celebrate the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the day. Two thousand some years ago, that he hung on the cross, died for your sins and my sins, and this is a moment for us to come together and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. Amen, amen. Well, I want to teach on a little bit um, about the will of God and our will, just for a few moments. I'm gonna, I know we got our kiddos here today, um, so we'll be brief. But the title of my message this this evening is not my will. Can we say that together? Not my will. Not my will. In Matthew chapter 26, we see where this comes. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's, he, the Bible says, Jesus says this, that I, my soul is, is so broken that I'm at the point of death, right? And he's praying, he's petitioning God. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, he says, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. Jesus got to this point, this moment where he comes to the Father and he says, he makes this incredible declaration, not what I want, but what you want. Now scholars for years have been been arguing about what Jesus was talking about. I heard that, I heard this one theory that Jesus wasn't talking about the cross here. Jesus was at the point of death, so he was asking God to take the death away from him in that moment so he can get to the cross. I've heard a lot of different interpretations, but the bottom line is this. I believe that this is not in the Bible for Jesus' sake. I believe that this is in the Bible for your sake and for my sake. You know, earlier in Jesus's ministry, we see something similar where Jesus is ministering and then a voice thunders from heaven and confirms Jesus. Remember this story? And then Jesus says this, that voice, God didn't speak for me. He spoke for you. You needed to hear that. And I believe that in that same way, Jesus Jesus didn't need this in the Bible. You and I needed to read this sentence. We needed to look and see that Jesus was the template. And he said, not my will but your will. And if Jesus laid down his own life, how much more should you and I do the same thing? Here's the idea that I want to present to you, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's this. Jesus didn't die so you wouldn't have to. He died to show you how. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to die. He died on the cross to show us how to die. He was our template. Now, there's basically two schools of thought here, right? There's this thought that says, Jesus, you know, my death, my sacrifice, when I, when I die to myself, it's, it somewhat contributes to my salvation, right? We're supposed to lay down our life. And we're supposed to beat ourselves up and, and suffer. And, and somehow us laying down our life brings about more salvation, which is an erroneous thought because that doesn't even make sense. You're either saved or you're not saved. You can't get more saved. <laughs> All right. I don't care how good of a person you are. You're saved. You can't get any more saved, savored, okay? You're good. You're saved. You're going to heaven, right? So our, our sacrifice, our laying down of life, it doesn't lead us to salvation. Jesus already paid that price. He already bought that ticket. That's not what that does. And then I heard this other school of thought that says this. Well, Jesus paid the price, so we don't have to do anything. We're good. This is what I've heard that term referred to as sloppy grace or greasy grace. That means this, that basically we can live however we like. We can do whatever we want and we can just rest easy in the fact that all of the consequences will be washed away. And that's an erroneous thought as well because of this fact. Yes, you will go to heaven, but you will live hell on earth. That school of thought says this, I can live however I want here, and I'll get to heaven. And that's probably true. God's grace is sufficient, right? That he, does, he covers all of our sins. But why would you want to live hell on earth and just wait to get to heaven? There is a reality in a Christian's life that I want us to grasp, I want us to understand this evening, that says this, I am laying my life down just like Jesus laid his life down. I am dying to myself. I am dying to my will, my desires, my addictions, my habits, my, my, my everything, everything that I am. I'm laying it down and I'm giving my life just like Jesus did. And I'm not doing it to try to get more saved or enter into salvation. And I'm not, not, not going to do it because somebody says I'll get into heaven one day. What, what happens when you and I lay our life down is we invite the kingdom of heaven into our life now in this moment. And I don't know a Christian in this room that wouldn't want that. Don't you want to see the kingdom of God manifest in your family, in your life, now in this moment? That comes with a sacrifice, crucified Christian life. And this is the idea. Jesus even says this in Matthew chapter 16, just a few chapters before. He says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And what? What? follow me. This was the design from the beginning. You were intended to follow Jesus, even to the cross. So this is a good Friday. We celebrate how Jesus died on the cross, but I want to bring some sobering news to us tonight. Not only are we celebrating Jesus dying on the cross, we're celebrating the death of your flesh as well. We're celebrating the dying of of who you are as well. As Christians, we lay our life down just like Jesus did. Let's take a moment as we unpack this. Let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit into this place. Jesus, we thank you so much. We are beyond words right now as we reflect on what you did for us so many years ago. Where you saw us from heaven and it wasn't okay that we were distant, but you came down, took the form of a man, and died on a cross so that we might become the righteousness of God. We thank you for the free gift, Jesus, and we thank you for being our example and our leader. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this room, according to your word in Ephesians 1.17, that you would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we can see you and follow the example of laying down our life for you, Jesus. We love you, and we bless you. In your name I pray. Everyone said, Amen. amen, amen. This is the first thing I want to talk to you tonight about. The cross brings Joy. The cross in a believer's life brings joy. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, right? How in the world does me dying to myself bring joy? Sounds pretty crazy, right? But I want to share this story with you. So my daughter Riley, she's over there. She's got headphones in, so she probably can't hear me, which is a good thing because I'm going to make fun of, not make fun of her, but I'm going to poke at her a little bit, okay? Anybody with young kids knows how great they are at cleaning their room, right? You hear the sarcasm in my voice, right? Riley is is equally, you know, not that enthusiastic about cleaning her room. But there are times, you know, today we had some issues, but there are times where Emily will say, hey, Riley, I want you to clean your room, or I'll ask her to clean her room. And guess what, parents? Don't be jealous of me, okay? There are some times that she does it first, first time I asked her that's pretty crazy, right? There are some times, it happens, right? It exists. And so I remember sometimes when I say, hey, Riley, I want you to clean your room. She'll go and her, she'll clean her room. And then she'll come out of her room with this big smile on her face. And she'll say, mom, dad, come here. I want to show you my room, right? Has any, any parents experienced how proud their kids are after they do something like, you know, basic? It's funny. Emily makes fun of me because I do the same thing, she, she tells me. I'll do the dishes and I'll say, hey, Emily, you see, see the sink? You see how empty the sink is? And she's like, good job, Dominic. You did the dishes, right? So it's not a kid thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's just runs in the family, I guess. <laughs> but there's this pride, this sense of accomplishment that comes after you do something that you don't want to do. And this is what happens with Riley. She's not in the room cleaning, smiling. Cleaning is not fun. Even when she's doing it, it's not enjoyable. But when she's done cleaning, oh my goodness, She's so proud of herself. Any, I know we got a lot of kids in here. Any kids like cleaning? Raise your hand if you guys like cleaning your room. <laughs> or and you like cleaning your room? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I don't see too many hands. It's okay. I don't. Oh, yeah, you guys aren't kids though, so I don't want to hear it. But I want to share this story with you, right? I want to share this story. It Comes out of Acts chapter five, and it's a story of the apostles. And basically, the apostles are teaching, they're preaching, they're doing signs and wonders and miracles all over Jerusalem. And what happens is the council, the religious leaders, bring them in, and they begin to threaten them and say, Hey, listen, stop preaching Jesus. Stop doing this. And, and the Bible actually says that they beat them. But I want to pick up this story in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. It says this, And they agreed with him, and when they, call, when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus And let them go. Verse 41 says So they departed from the presence of the council, the apostles did, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So the apostles get reprimanded, get beat, and then sent on their way, and they left that meeting with a big smile on their face and two black eyes. (laughs) They, that word rejoicing literally means to be filled with gladness. How can you be filled with gladness after you got beat like that? I'll tell you why. Because the cross brings joy it's not the suffering that brings joy and I want you to hear me because there's a school of thought on this that that Christians should enjoy the suffering you don't have to enjoy the suffering what you have to enjoy is how it connects you with Jesus you don't have to enjoy the suffering you don't have to enjoy the picking up your room or cleaning your mess but you can enjoy the fact that when you lay your life down you are being faithful to him you are moving in obedience to him. That's what brings joy. That's what brings that satisfaction of saying, man, I've, I'm following the Lord. Listen, you have to understand. You have to put this in context. This is Peter we're talking about. And just a few weeks earlier, Peter was tested a similar way. And the Bible says that a little girl came up to him. No offense, little girls, but you're just not that intimidating. A little girl came up to Peter and said, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' homies? And he was so afraid of this little girl. He said, no, 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 it's not me. Oh my goodness, what a transformation we see. When Peter was confronted with two options, he was confronted with either being faithful to Jesus or self-preservation, he chose self-preservation. He didn't wanna be faithful. He didn't wanna lay down his life for Jesus. But we see this just a few weeks later, Peter's saying, I'm not making that mistake again. I'm, I'm I'm not preserving myself at the cost of Jesus. No, I'm going to lay down my life the same way I saw Jesus lay it down, and I'm going to rejoice. Why? Not because I got beat up, but I'm going to rejoice because I remain faithful to the one who's always been faithful to me. And this is what this means, church. When you and I lay down our life for him, what you're doing is you're laying down your own thoughts, your own desire, your own way, your own reputation, and when you lay it down, there's joy that erupts in your life. Not because you're suffering or going through difficult things, but because you're remaining faithful to him. You know, my mom shared this scripture verse a few moments ago, but I want to look at it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The author of Hebrews says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to read that that part in red real quick. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus didn't find joy in the cross. He endured the cross. He didn't find joy in the suffering. What he found joy in was his purpose. You were his purpose. He found joy in the fact that he fulfilled Everything that he was sent here to do, he didn't leave one thing unfulfilled. The Bible, the Bible actually, if you look through it, the scholars say that Jesus just in his life um, fulfilled over three hundred prophecies. He did everything he was sent here to do, and this is what unlocks joy in your in your life. It doesn't matter what if things go wrong, if things go right. Well, where you'll find joy is the place is in the place of obedience. It's in the place of faithfulness to the Lord. Even if things get difficult, even if you're stretched, even if you're persecuted a little bit, even if things don't go your way, if you remain faithful to him and you lay down your life in submission to him, you'll find joy. Just like Jesus, as he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. I did everything. And it was that joy that was set before him that allowed Jesus to endure the difficulty of the cross the cross brings joy. Here's the second thing, the cross brings good things. Everyone say good things. Does anybody want good things? Wave at me, it's not a trick question. If you want good things, wave at me. You want good things, right? We want want a good job, we want good health, we want a good marriage, a good family. We want good things. You know how I get good things? The cross. (laughs) That's terrible, right? I'm sorry, I wish I had better advice, but this is what I found to be true, is that when you lay your life down, God designs and places good things in your life. You know, just last night, we were baking Easter cookies. We had little egg-shaped cookies and cross-shaped cookies, and, and we were mixing the batter, and my son, Judo, he's over there right now, and we, my, my wife has this big KitchenAid, what is that thing called? Like, it's just a mixer. It's one of those big, it's like so heavy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you pick that thing up, and you're like, oh my gosh, my back, so this thing was mixing the batter and, and Judah was helping us make cookies and I saw, I saw his eyes. You can see it in his eyes, right? Any, any kids in here like making cookies? You guys like making cookies or just eating cookies? Which one, right? Probably just eating cookies. But Judah was mixing the batter, right? And he looked and I saw him and he reached out his hand and as soon as he reached out his hand because he wanted to touch it. As soon as he reached out his hand, I said, Judah, don't touch that. I knew what he was thinking. See, I have the mind of a child sometimes. It pays off, right? I can get in their heads. I knew he was gonna stick his hand in there. I said, Judah, if you stick your hand in there, you could break your finger. I mean, that machine is no joke, it was going fast. If his hand got caught, you know, he could snap a finger or something. I said, don't put your hand in there, right? You remember this, Judah? Yeah. And he he got a little scared, right? Which which a little fear is good, you know, it's it's healthy. But he got a little scared and he pulled his his hand back. And then we added some more ingredients and we started the mixer again. And I can see it in his eyes. It was like a war was going on inside of his mind. He was like, I want to touch it, but I don't want to lose a finger. I want to touch it, but I don't want to lose a finger. And he picked his hand up to reach. And before I could even say anything, he almost checked himself. He was like, oh, I can't touch that thing, right? But it was funny to watch this war inside of him, knowing that this thing wasn't good for him, but that he wanted to touch it anyways. And how often is that us? We know that things aren't good for us, but we reach out our hand to touch it anyways. We know we shouldn't be drinking or doing drugs or, or watching that inappropriate thing. Or, or maybe you know you shouldn't be in that inappropriate relationship, but, but you're just like, God, you know, I just, I just want to keep touching it. And it's like, oh my goodness, don't you want good things in your life? You don't get good things by touching bad things. <laughs> you got to lay that stuff down because here's the reality. God desires good things for you. This is good news I want to share with you tonight because I know how difficult it is to sacrifice those things that you enjoy. I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to lay down that that pornography addiction. I know how hard that is. I've I've battled with that. I understand how hard it is to to walk away from relationships that you found so much life in. And and God's saying, listen, this is not healthy. You need to get out of this. I know how difficult that is. But how many know this that God isn't just being mean? He wants good things for you too. And his word, his wisdom, his ways, his asking you to lay that down is a, is a way to produce good things in your life. I want to read this scripture verse, and it's probably one of the most popular scripture verses in the Bible. Many people in this room, well, somebody in this room might even have a tattoo of it, but I know for sure it's hanging on your wall somewhere at home. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, "'For I know the thoughts that I think toward you,' says the Lord." Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. These are the thoughts that God thinks about you. He wants good things for you so you can trust him when he asks you to lay it down. When he asks you to get away or remove that thing from your life, you can trust him knowing that that decision to obey is only going to lead to good things. It's only going to be good for you in the end. It might be hard now, but when you sacrifice that, it's going to be good. I love this scripture verse, and many people don't understand the context of this verse because the whole book of Jeremiah is very terrible. It's a very terrible book to read. Has anybody read the book of Jeremiah? Isn't it sad? It's very sad because what we see here, just the verses before and after, God's pronouncing judgment on his people. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna cast you away into exile for 70 years. Why? Because the children of God had allowed their hearts to turn from God to everything else, to anything else. And God says this, no, 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 I'm gonna allow, I'm gonna exile you into this, into this other nation for 70 years and then, listen, this is, this is the very next verse, he says, because I know the thoughts I have for you. I'm not doing it just to beat you up, I'm doing it so that you'll turn your heart back to me because I want good things for you. This beautiful scripture verse that's posted everywhere in our world comes in the midst of punishment, in the midst of disaster, in the midst of destruction. And here's what I want us to understand this evening, is that it doesn't matter where you're at in life, God's design and plan for you is good things. He wants your marriage to thrive. He wants your relationships with your kids to be amazing. He wants you to have enough money. Listen, I, I, I've learned recently that God desires for me to have money, not so that I can live Uh, you know a fancy life but so that I can be a blessing to the bride of Christ I love blessing the bride of Christ it's like my favorite thing to do it's so awesome but that's that's God's design for my life God wants you to have good things in your life and the idea is this is that you have to allow him and listen to him when he says lay that down put that on the cross stop doing that walk away from that God it hurts I know fasting is terrible. Does anybody enjoy fasting? Don't you dare raise your hand because I know that would be a lie, right? Fasting is the worst. No one likes to fast. But we do these things, why? Because we know it's gonna produce good things in our life. And this is the idea here, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have to, get, we have to, we have to trust him. We have to trust the Lord knowing that if we listen to him, if we obey his word, there's only gonna produce goodness in our life. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. The cross brings purpose. The cross brings purpose. When I was a little little boy, my mom had this book in one of our end tables, and I think it was a, a Lester Summerall missionary book, something or other. But I didn't, I couldn't read. Well, maybe I maybe I could. I don't know how many years ago this was. I just didn't care to read the book. But there were these pictures in the middle of the book, and I would go to the middle and I'd open up this book. And I would see all of these incredible images, and this is really the first time that I've seen poverty in such a real way, but there were images of all of these, these kids and, and, and moms and dads, and I think it was some country in Africa, and you know they've had swollen bellies and they hadn't eaten for days or weeks, and it was just such a terrible image to look at, especially as a little kid. I'd open it up, and I, that was the first time I saw poverty on that level. I'd never seen anything like it before. And, and, and I, my mom would tell me that I would, every once in a while, grab that book and sit on the floor and, and look through it, and I didn't know what God was doing, obviously at the time. But looking back, what I know to be true is that God had began to place in my heart a love for His people, even at such a young age. And then fast forward till I'm a senior in high school. It's 2010, right? Anybody? We're going back to 2010. I graduate high school. My grandparents come to me and they say, Dominic, I want to give you a graduation present. And I said, yeah, anywhere you want is this graduation present. They said, you can do anything you want and you can go anywhere you want. I said, really? Isn't that an amazing present, right? That's awesome. So I start dreaming. I'm like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to California, go to LA's game. I'm going to go over to Europe. I'm going to take a cruise. I'm going to do all of this amazing stuff, right? So I'm like making this list. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And then my mom comes to me and says, hey, we want to take this missions trip to Haiti. And I said, awesome, have fun. You guys enjoy yourself. I'm going on a cruise, so I'll see you later. She said, no, we want to go as a big family. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go. And she said, there's just one problem. We can't afford to pay for everyone. So I need you to use your gift that Nana and Papa were going to give you to go to a third world country and do missions work. I said, mom, I don't think you understand. This is a gift, for me, I'm not going to one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere to, to like just be there. Like I'm not doing that. I'm going to LA. I'm watching, I'm watching the Lakers, man. And I didn't even think I had a choice. So 2010, summer of 2010, I was in Haiti during a mission trip. Um, but I, I was kind of forced. I'll just say forced. I don't know if my mom's listening or not, but I think she's out there. I was forced to lay that down. But unknowing to me at the time, that would be the moment that God completely changed my life. Being in Haiti, experiencing the love of God, being able to share the love of God completely transformed my life. And I found, listen, I would not be the person I am today had I not made that decision back then. Because when I graduated, I had plans to go play basketball in college. I had plans to start my physical therapy program. I was going to be a a sports physical therapist, and I was going to do all of this stuff. But that summer, that one moment, I didn't realize it, but that one moment completely changed the trajectory of my life. And it only came when I laid it down. When you lay it down, what you'll find is that God will reveal the purpose in your life. And there's this, I hear this question, I hear this kind of talked about in different circles is that if God put it in me, why do I have to lay it down? God designed me to want this or, or to desire that or to be good at that. If God gave me this gift, why should I lay it down? Why should I give it up? And, and I would like to say this, that's the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. I want to look at a man in the Bible whose name is Abraham. Abraham was given a gift the son of promise isaac in his old age god said i'm going to make you the father of many nations and he gave abraham isaac an incredible incredible miracle when Abra- abraham was like 100 years old right it was a miraculous event then abraham god asked abraham take isaac and go sacrifice him what god you gave me this gift this was my promise this was something that you, get, you, like you literally said this was for me. Why would you ask me to give this up? And the writers of Hebrews says this, that Abraham was obedient to God because he figured in his mind that the same God who gave Isaac to him could raise Isaac back up from the dead. So here's what I wanna to suggest to you today. Your gift, you're laying down your future, your calling, your gift, that is the right decision because one of two things is gonna happen. One, you're gonna lay down your gift and God's gonna bring something better that you've never even imagined or dreamed of. He's, he's gonna blow your mind with what he gives you. Or you're gonna lay down your gift and God's gonna tell you to pick it right back up. God's gonna bring that thing right back to life. Just as Abraham was standing over Isaac with a knife. He said, no, Abraham, don't do it, don't do it. And he, this is so beautiful, watch, what God says to Abraham is this, because I know you fear me, I will bless you, and I will bless all the nations of the world through you. Abraham received his destiny and his purpose only after he laid it on the altar. And so church, tonight, as we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, what I want to ask you to do this evening is to lay down your life as well. Lay down your life. Lay down your dreams, your desires, your aspirations, your goals. Lay down all of that stuff. Lay down your addictions. Lay down what you're struggling with. I'm telling you, if you can learn to die to yourself, if you can learn to say, Not my will, but your will be done in my life, God, I promise you, church, this world will not look the same if Christians get a hold of this understanding. Remember, the goal is not to get to heaven. That's not just the goal here. Like, that, we're, we're going to go to heaven. We're saved by grace, and that's so incredible. But man, when, when believers understand that it's not about them, and they lay their life down on the altar, just like Jesus laid his life down, that's when the kingdom of God can be established on this earth. That's, that's when lives are truly changed. That's when this world looks at the church and doesn't laugh at a bunch of hypocrites, but they look at the church, and they're in awe about what God can do when people are surrendered. Jesus didn't die so that you and I wouldn't have to die. He died to show you how. If you look at a relationship, maybe you're in this room and you're married or you're dating, or even if you have any type of relationship, you understand this truth. No one likes to be in a relationship with people that only take from them. No one likes to be around people who only take and take and take and take. And as Christians, we're not a part of a religion, right? You hear this all the time. We're a part of a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus did his part. He came, he hung on a cross, he gave everything for you and for me. And being in a relationship, I want to reciprocate that for Jesus. I want to say, Jesus, you gave everything for me. I want to give everything for you. I'm not, I'm not gonna take your gift and just be somebody that takes and takes and takes. No, I wanna reciprocate. I wanna lay down my life for you as well, God. What do you want? What do you desire? Just like Abraham, I'll give you everything, God, because I love you and I trust you. Church, I believe that when we understand the power of, of laying down our life, you'll, you'll really, truly, and honestly find joy. It's weird, it doesn't make sense, but Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3, the Bible says this, that, that Jesus' delight was in the fear of the Lord. How does that make sense? I don't know how it makes sense, but when you fear God, when you obey God, when you lay your life down, you find such freedom and such joy. When you lay down your life, when you lay it all down for God, even your, even your dreams, even your ambitions, even your plans, what you'll find is that your purpose comes into fruition. I met a man a few, a few weeks ago who started an incredible ministry that's blessing hundreds and hundreds of homeless people all over this region. And the, he was telling me his story and he said, Dominic, one day God came to me and told me to quit my job. Oh my goodness. If God came to some of us in this room and said that, that would be tough, Right? And this man had to sit his wife down and have this conversation three years away from retiring and having his full pension and all of that. He had to say, honey, I feel like the Lord's telling me to quit my job. Fast forward about 25 years later, he's running one of the biggest outreach centers in all of Texas. The Lord is using him in such a powerful way because he laid it down. He he told me this story, not to rabbit trail, but he told me this story that two weeks after he quit his job, the company went out of business. And everybody, like, he was able to get some of his retirement out, but everybody else lost everything that they had. He didn't know it at the time, but following the voice of the Lord, laying down his dreams and his ambition, literally saved his life. (laughs) Then the Lord had something so powerful in store for him. So I want to encourage you. God wants good things for you. He does. And the, the challenges that we have and experience, they, they're gonna be hard, but I promise you, if you learn to lay it down, you'll be blessed. I wanna read this last verse in Psalms 139. It says this, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, they all were written the day's fashioned for me, when as there was none of them. God has already planned good things for you. And I, I wanna tell you tonight, church, this is not plan C, D. E-F-G-H-I-J-K. This is not those plans. This is plan A for your life. God, you are on plan A for your life. And you might say, no, pastor, I messed it up. I did this, I did that, I screwed things up. No, no, no. You're not going to intimidate God or throw God off. This is God's plan A for your life. And be faithful to him. So do me a favor, stand to your feet as we close tonight. I want us to take this idea home with us that Jesus didn't die so you wouldn't have to. He died to show you how. In every area of our, of our life, I want to get us to get used to laying our life down. As we close this service tonight, what I want to do is, you know, the worship team's going to lead us in, a, in a, a final song. But as we close, what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you and your family to come up. We have our communion elements here on the, on the stage. And I thought this would be a cool way to respond to what the word of the Lord was this evening. And I want you to come up, grab, grab the cup, grab, grab the cracker. You can return to your seat or you can find an area in the altar. But gather your family together. And what I want us to do is I don't only, not only do I want us to remember what the Lord did for us, not only do I want us to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and how he gave his life for you and for me, but I want tonight's communion to be a prophetic declaration to the Lord that says this, Jesus, you died for me And as I receive communion, this is my promise to lay down my life for you. This is my decision in this moment. I'm coming to the altar. I'm coming out. I'm taking communion. And I'm declaring to you, Father, that I'm not living my life for myself. I'm living my life for you. You have my hopes, my dreams. You have everything that I am. Everything that I am belongs to you. So let's pray. We're going to bless this time. And then I'm just going to invite you to just come as we worship. But Jesus, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you for this this celebration, this Good Friday evening, God, where we celebrate Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, laying down his life for us. Jesus, we respond to your sacrifice with a sacrifice of our own. We declare that we will lay down our life for you. Just as you asked us to pick up our cross and follow you, Jesus, we want to surrender everything to you. We love you. We trust you, God. We trust you tonight and know that that as we lay our life down, you bring us joy, you bring us purpose, you bring us good things. God, it is your desire for us to enjoy good things in life. And we know that that comes from sacrifice. So as we receive communion this evening with our friends and our family, I pray, Holy Spirit, that we can honor the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. We bless the bread that represents the body of Jesus that was broken. We bless the cup that represents the blood of Jesus. We thank you that there is no other name under heaven by which we will be saved. and It is all because of your sacrifice, Jesus. We love you and bless you this evening precious name I pray. Everybody say amen. If you wouldn't mind, let's come up and partake in elements.
1: If you could grab an element and just
0: step to the side so everybody can get one. Thank yeah. you. Come on, can we just thank him? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you did on that cross. We thank you, Father, for sending your only son. We thank you, Jesus, for not turning or not being um, dissuaded and intimidated by the enemy. We thank you, Jesus, that you stayed true, that you stayed the course. You didn't give up. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't leave, Jesus, but you stuck it out that you endured the cross for the joy that was set before you, you laid your life down, and we're so grateful that you didn't give up, Jesus. We're so grateful, Jesus, that you you spread your arms wide, you endured the suffering, the pain, the, the humiliation for our sake. You've given us the most precious gift, and that is the ability to know you and be known by you, Jesus. So as we've received communion tonight with our family, we just wanna look into your eyes this evening and say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. How can we not lay our life down for you? How can we not lay our life down for you, Jesus? You have given us everything. You've not withheld anything from us, Jesus. How can we withhold anything from you? I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we leave this moment, as we go into this weekend and into celebrating Resurrection Sunday, that you would would continue to remind us, that you would speak to us and help us, Holy Spirit, to lay down our life for Jesus. Let us be like Peter and the apostles who looked at the religious leaders in the face and said, if it's better that we obey you or better if we obey God, you decide but we are obeying the Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we bless your holy name. We pray that you would bless every person in this room tonight. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard. If you need any more, we have a few more elements up here. If you didn't get any, we'll see you all on Sunday for Resurrection Sunday. Have a great service.